0: Good morning. We're glad to have you here today. If you're in Kimo, I'm going to let you guys head on out. Fix my little stand here so I can read. There we go. Last week, we started a new series at Christmas, and it's called Hidden Christmas. If you're our guest, we're really glad that you have chosen to be with us. We know that you could be somewhere else. When I got up this morning, I did not anticipate seeing rain, although I'm glad it's here. Uh, and it was a little cold, so whenever it's raining and it's cold, it's just a few degrees shy of snow. And so that's what we're really looking for, is some snow. Except if, Unless you live on the mountain. If you live on the mountain, you don't want snow. Um, or if you're a parent, you probably don't want snow either. We understand. But um, we wanted to uh, take some time today, and we appreciate the sharps lighting our candle this, uh, for this week. Last week, we lit the candle of hope. And we talked about light has come into the darkness. You and I know that the world is a dark place. There are terrible things that happen within the world and there is a need for a Savior to rescue us from that. We have seen him telling the story of his rescue from the very beginning of creation when he created Uh, The void, he created darkness, and then he created the light to penetrate the darkness. And we celebrate at Christmas that Jesus penetrated that darkness. Today, we light the candle of love, and I believe that what I want to share with you today is one of the most important parts of all of the Christmas story. And so I hope that you are awake. If you need to go grab some coffee, you can do that. If you want to follow along on YouVersion, uh, you can do that as well. If you're our guest, and I don't know, I don't see any other kids in here, but if you have a second through fifth grader, Kidmo is our opportunity for them to have their own time of teaching, small groups, fun, to do all kinds of stuff. You're welcome to go check out what they're headed to if, if you would like. Um, so as we go through this today, uh, our goal with Hidden Christmas is for us to remember what this is really all about. And I will be honest, yesterday we went shopping and it is very easy to forget what Christmas is about, amen? It is tough when people are bumping into you and running into you and you're dodging carts and you've got all this crazy stuff going on. You're thinking about, well, what gift am I going to buy this person? Or, you know, what are we going to, how are we going to spend our Christmas time together? And kids are thinking when school is going to be out, right? You can't wait for school to be out. And parents, you can't wait until school gets back in. We know how Christmas goes. You've got all those family events and some of them you're looking forward to. But some of them, let's be honest, we're not really looking forward to those family events. If we could avoid that part of the family this Christmas season, it would be a better Christmas for everyone. We all have those times. Christmas is a time where we get to watch some of our favorite shows. We sat the kids down and we watched Charlie Brown Christmas this uh, this week because it was on TV and so we've DVR'd it. If you want to come over to our house and watch it, if you grew up with that, you are welcome. Um, So all those traditions are great fun things. Hopefully you're decorated. If not, you'll be decorating soon. They're all wonderful things. Christmas parties are fun. Getting together with others are fun. Singing Christmas carols is great. They're all wonderful things. However, they seem to be taking over what the true meaning of Christmas is. And while you may expect for a church to have a series about the true meaning of Christmas, what we're hoping to do with this is to uncover not just what the meaning of Christmas is, but truly how does that affect our lives today. And so in Hidden Christmas, our goal again is that we would make known what has been hidden, what has been forgotten, that we would remember. And at this Christmas time, that you would have that opportunity to rekindle your relationship with your Savior if it is something that has grown dim. Because we live in a world that we need to shine brightly. And the only way you and I can shine brightly is if we are walking hand in hand with our Savior. So if you've got your Bibles, we are going to kick off today at Romans, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be reading the love chapter. Isn't that fun? Some of you are already excited. Some of you are thinking, I've read that a hundred times. Well, I hope today you take something fresh out of what is said, especially when we get to verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 1, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, But then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abides, these three, but the greatest of these is love. As we start talking about love, what I'm going to be pushing you towards is the idea that love is the most important characteristic of any follower of Jesus, Not only is it a characteristic, it is literally the fabric that weaves together what is true, good, and right. Love is not easily defined in our culture because when we talk about love, we know that all love is not created equal, right? I love Swiss cake rolls. I love my wife. I love my kids most of the time. I love when it snows. Those are all different expressions of love. Surely, when I say I love my wife and I love Swiss cake girls, I'm not talking about the same kind of love. Although for, sometimes, you know, for some it's kind of hard to determine. <laughs> Whenever we talk talking about love, we can start talking about infatuation. We can talk about what does it mean for us to care about someone. We can just say, I enjoy that. And so we may say, I love that. You may be looking on somebody's Facebook page and thinking they decorate their house a whole lot better at Christmas than I do. I love what you've done with your house. And yet if we use that same word to describe our relationship with the people that are closest to us, even further to say of our relationship with God using that same word, we recognize all love is not created equal. There are many different expressions of love, and for us, if you, do, if you never dive down deep into what Scripture is saying, and at times you've got to actually get into the language that it is written in to understand what is the difference of what is said here. Because even in the New Testament, we find the word love being used in many different ways, in many different expressions. And if we don't follow through with understanding, well, what kind of love is this that we're talking about? Is this my love of sitting and watching TV? Is this my love of God? Is this my love of country? Is this my love of whatever? We have to understand what is the meaning of love that we're talking about. We find in the New Testament three primary words, and you probably know this, you ever heard a sermon on love? There are three primary Greek words that we see over and over again to define what love is. When we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is one Greek word used every single time for every one of those words love, and it is the word agape. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Because you will also find other places in Scripture that use different words. Words that are used by people that may not understand what this type of love is. They may not understand where this is appropriate or how important this kind of relationship is. One of the places that we see most common is the Greek word phileo. Many of you know that has the same root that our city uh, Philadelphia comes from the city of brotherly love it's the kind of love that you and I have whenever we love someone who's like us and the truth is is it's, it's easy to love somebody who's like us when I find somebody that likes the same things I do I want to spend time with them whenever they talk and they say nice things about me I want to talk to them even more When I see somebody and we get along and we like to get each other's jokes and we can talk the same way and, and, and we just understand each other, that's the kind of person I want to spend time with. And likely that's the kind of person you want to spend time with. That is literally what phileo means. Love that is easily expressed towards our natural tastes and our preferences. It's a very basic type of love that you can experience in many different ways. Now, it's not bad. It's not a bad type of love. In fact, we read in Scripture that God actually loves people with this type of love. But it is far insufficient to describe the kind of love we read in 1 Corinthians 13 or when we say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is not the same type of love. Whenever we look on social media, whenever we talk to our friends at school or we begin in a relationship with somebody else and we say, I am in love, usually we're not talking about the kind of love by which God loved us. This is the kind of love we're talking about. We're friends. We like each other. As long as we continue to be friends, I will continue to express my filial love towards you. But if you hurt me or make me mad, I will withdraw that love from you. You know how that feels. You have always, at some point, not always, but at some point in your life, you have experienced a relationship in which you crossed a line you didn't know existed or you said something you didn't know would be offensive or you did something that made someone not care as much about you and you felt the pulling back of love for you. Maybe you felt it in your family. Maybe you have felt it with people that were friends for a long time and all of a sudden you don't know what happened to them or what happened to this relationship. This is the kind of love that the world can experience. And it's the kind of love that leads us wanting more and never gets us to the place of what we really want to have. It's a good love, but it's not the best love. It's not the kind of love that we can go to somebody and say, I love you no matter what. It's not the kind of love that sustains a hurt. It's not the kind of love that offers forgiveness. It's a love that says right now it's easy to love you. And as long as it's easy to love you, I will love you. But if it becomes difficult, I'm just not sure. Often it's influenced by your culture, which is why we tend to gravitate towards people like ourselves. It's also influenced by our beliefs, which is why so many Christians have a tendency to push away people that believe differently because we don't love them the way God told us to love them. We love them with this earthly, easy type of love. And so they're different. They believe different things. They live different lifestyles. It's easy for me to push you away because our love has not fully enveloped what God said it should and the kind of love that he gives us phileo is a powerful love and it's often misunderstood by people who are looking from the outside in John 11 we see it being used when Jesus talking or Jesus in experience with his friend others watching and talking about his love for him verse 30 says now Jesus had not yet come into the village this is when Lazarus had died and they sent word to Jesus and said here he's, he's dying you've got to come and he didn't come so they came back and said, your friend is dead because you didn't come. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there uh, were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her were also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. It was the very first verse that most of us memorized, by the way. That one right there. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved. If you go back and you look at this text, you'll find that is the Greek word phileo. That we have interpreted as love. See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The reason I wanted to read that to you is because on the outside, the Jews looked at Jesus and did not yet understand a greater love was possible than this. And so they made the mistake of saying Jesus only loved him with this tenderness because they were similar, because they liked each other. It, that, temporary kind of love that as long as everything's going okay we're okay but if something goes wrong it's over when the jews looked upon jesus and did not see that this is the son of god who has come to redeem the world that loved with an incredible unconditional self-sacrificial love and so they said he loved him like a brother when jesus's love for lazarus was so much more you'll find that it's you follow Jesus, your love for other followers of Jesus will begin to grow in many different ways. One will be this characteristic of phileo. We have a lot in common. We believe similar things. We get along in this world together because we can't get along in this world alone. And so this is a part, but it is just a part. It is not the whole. So when we look at love, Love is more than phileo. There is another type of love that we find in Scripture. It's one that we tend to giggle at when we talk about. It's called eros. Now, when I was young, I always heard that eros was all about sex. And the truth is, that is a misunderstanding of eros love. Eros love is often about physical attraction but it is something deeper and more spiritual because God has gifted us with this type of love that in our most sacred and our most intimate relationships, we have a way to connect with each other far deeper than just sitting over coffee. There is often physical attraction. There is often, this is part of the way God created us so that we would have kids. But Eros is so... So minor when it comes to the agape love that God has shown us. And yet our world is infatuated with this kind of love. Now the problem with associating eros love with just sexuality is because you can be in a sexual relationship with somebody and not experience this kind of love with them. It is a deeper connection. And it is ultimately meant to be had only between two people, a husband and a wife. Whenever we go outside and we begin to experiment with this type of love with other people, it begins to break us down and our ability to actually truly love someone decreases because we have taken something that is spiritually profound and we have made it something that is convenient. There are many different types of love that we read about. Eros is a love that triggers excitement, elation, and joy, but it is meant to be in the most sacred of relationships. And what we know is that whenever this is expressed between a husband and a wife, what we find is a, a bond that cannot be broken. It is one of the ways God has infused us with the ability to love, and it is one of the ways that he helps us overcome all of our problems. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes Deidre and I don't get along. You all don't have that problem, Right? By the way, today's Dieter's birthday. She's going to have a problem with me later because you're going to go out there and sing happy birthday to her. She's not in here, is she? I think she's in with one of the kids' rooms. So you just need to go sing to her. And if each of you would do that individually, it would make my day. <laughs> but she would not like me in that moment because it would embarrass her. She doesn't like that kind of attention. See, this kind of love, it binds people together to say, even though you have faults, I am with you and I love you. But when we express that outside of marriage, it gets all messy. These are not the kind of of love that I want us to focus on, but I want you to be aware of those things. But instead, this agape love, what is it? I love this definition that comes from Thayer. It says, agape love is to take pleasure in the thing, prize it above all other things, Be unwilling to abandon it or to do without it. Now, wouldn't you like to be that thing for someone else? That you are prized above all other things. That they love you with the kind of love that they are unwilling to do life without you. That kind of love it's an overwhelming love that goes far beyond. Well, we got stuff in common. Well, I find you attractive. It's a kind of love that says it doesn't matter who you are or what you are or what your issues are or what your problems are, or even if you are loving to me at all. It is a choice to love others. And agape is difficult. The reason that it is so difficult is because love. Expressed in this way often comes with the cost. It is the choice to love somebody else, even when they don't love you back, or at worst, may reject you, and yet you continue to love them. There are times I've seen parents have this relationship with their children. They love their children and do anything for their children, and their children goes off the deep end. And as the parent tries to bring them back and tries to show them love, they're rejected. And yet that love doesn't stop. That parent continues to love that child even though that child hurts them over and over and over again. But that love continues. This is the kind of love that we don't see very often. It's the kind of love that it's not just developed over time. It's only developed by knowing and spending time with the Savior. It's the only way to express this kind of love, to experience it, to know it, and to be willing to Give the cost for this. It always puts the beloved first. And you're willing to sacrifice for this type of love. That's why our culture does not value it. It's why we don't talk about it. Because we live in a world that doesn't want to sacrifice for somebody else. Other people ought to sacrifice for us is how we see that play out. When we look at stories, great stories with main characters, we want to be the main character in that story. and We want other people to wrap their lives around us. We want them to be there when we want them there and we want them out of the way when we don't want them there. But This kind of love is deeper. This is the kind of love that's not conditional about being returned. It's the kind of love that is not earned. I did enough good things. I gave you a good enough Christmas present. I spent enough time with you I've earned this place of agape love in your life. What we know is that it is not something that can be earned. It's not something that can be lost either. And as I read more and more about love, as I, I struggle more and more with the world that we live in, this is the love that identifies God's character. And ultimately what, where I am right now in my life is that this is the fabric That God intended for your life to be held together it's not an emotion it's not even just a decision as God created all things he intended for this to be the way we live life and so when he put Adam and Eve in the garden they walked in love full love walking with God without suffering without pain without hardship and yet God in his wisdom knew that Adam and Eve would never truly love him unless they had the option not to. And so when he gave the option not to, which is answers some of our questions about why did God even allow the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to be in the garden? Why just not have it there? We could have avoided a whole lot of problems if we just hadn't planted that tree there, planted it somewhere else, just not there. Why would God do that other than the fact that God wanted us to have the opportunity to choose to love ourselves? And yet in choosing to love, we must have the option to choose not to love. And so what we find is we follow the story of the fallen Adam and Eve is God says your life is now going to get difficult there are consequences for rejecting me there are consequences for rejecting this fabric that I have created all of this to revolve around to revolve around agape love and now we have conflict now we have pain and now we have suffering this week has been a tough week has it not we've seen a lot of suffering this week for, for us who have watched what's been going on with the school bus and those poor children's lives lost, what's happened in Gatlinburg? Many of you have followed the stories of those families in Gatlinburg that were trapped in the fire that didn't get out. For what happened in California yesterday, with as a bunch of kids got into a warehouse that caught on fire to have a party that they weren't supposed to have in a place they weren't supposed to be. There's a lot of suffering going on in the world. <laughs> And yes, God allows that suffering. But God has always allowed us the option to reject the very fabric by which he created us. You might be thinking, Martin, that sounds a little weird. The fabric of love is supposed to be the thing that makes our life make sense. It's supposed to be the way that we were created. It's supposed to be the thing that's most important. And let me just defend where I'm at for those of you who may not be where I'm at. 1 Corinthians 13, again, if we look back at verse 13, it says, So so now faith, hope, and love abide. The three of those things live, but the greatest of these is what? Now, he has just said this after saying all these other great things in the world are going to end. There are going to be three things that remain, and of those three things that remain forever, only one of them is the most important, and it is what? Love. Love. I can tell you're not yet convinced. So let's keep going. I believe that love is the most enduring characteristic of those who know Christ for a reason. The reason is that simply this is because we have received this from God himself. It is impossible to experience this kind of love for anyone or anything else if you do not have God within your life. It is impossible to truly have unconditional love, no matter what, unless you have somehow experienced that yourself. And the only way you can experience unconditional love is if you have been loved unconditionally and you see it. See, we don't always see it. There are times that we love others and they don't see our love as love, right? If you've ever loved someone who's troubled, they don't always see how much you love them. If you've ever loved someone who's addicted, they don't always see your love as love. Sometimes they see your love as hatred. Sometimes they see your love as trying to hurt them because you're not giving them what they want. Many times within our lives, we define love based on are they giving me what I want? And yet God never defined love like that. But we do. That's why at Christmas time, we often feel loved in the giving and receiving. But yet it fades and leads into one of the most depressive times of the year for people. It's because that kind of love does not hold up. It doesn't stay. 1 John 4 says this about those who follow God. Every time you see love in this passage, what you're going to see is the word agape. You won't see it, actually. Just know that when you see love, the word behind it is agape. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Now, clearly, we're talking about different types of love if they're saying you cannot love at all unless you know God, because we know people who don't know God can love to some degree. We do know it's possible. So if we understand anyone who does not love with agape love does not know God, because God is agape love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In other words, The very physical representation of agape love is not a hug. (laughs) It's not going out for coffee. The very representation is that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is agape love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Same words. We didn't love God this way, but he loved us this way. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, the atonement, the sacrifice for our sins. He took our punishment from us because of his love for us. One that we could not return to him, but he chose to love us with anyways. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to, same word, agape, love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love in this way one another. It actually says God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And we're not talking about phileo love. We're not talking about the kind of love that says, you made me mad, we're done. We're talking about this kind of love that you and I have no capability to experience unless we experience it from God. It is something that is so unique to those who follow Christ that it should define who we are as a people because we begin to change who we are as a creation. Love is God's motivation for our redemption. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love, same word, agape love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the physical representation of his love is sending his son for us. His demonstration of love was letting his son die for us. Again, this is agape love. How many of you would sacrifice your child for someone else? It's far beyond the kind of love that the rest of the world experiences. And if we are followers of Jesus and we never get beyond that phileo love where, you know what, I like you, we're kind of alike, we got stuff in common. If we never get beyond that, then we are doing a disservice and showing the power of the gospel in the world. Because it is this love that defines who we are. It's this love that shows us who God is and how we are to love others. Now I want you to just take this in and think about this. If you need to not listen to another thing I say today, and you will marinate on this for the rest of this week, I'll be okay with that. Take this in. God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we are to show the exact same type of love to one another. Take that in. I mean, seriously, take that in. We talk about sacrificial love. It goes far beyond what you see on TV. It goes far beyond what we talk about on social media. It goes far beyond what many people experience even within their own families. This kind of love is overwhelmingly different than anything you've ever experienced before. And it is only possible when we have an experience with God himself. Take that in. The very same kind of love that God demonstrated through Christ on the cross is the same kind of love you and I need to share with each other. There is no difference. Now, as far as I know, maybe a scholar will come by and say differently, as far as I know, there are not different levels of agape love either. It's either agape love or it's not. And so what would it look like? I know we had a little greeting time here just a few minutes ago. What would it look like if the person you were sitting next to, you, they experienced agape love from you? What would that look like? You probably have no clue, unless there's someone that you're married to, or they're one of your kids, or someone you've been friends with for all your life. I mean, you, you may have no clue, which begins to demonstrate how overwhelming agape love is. You cannot love someone this way without getting to know them can't love somebody this way without accepting their faults we had no ability to love God in the way that he loved us and yet he still loved us because he loved us in the midst of our faults one of the things I'm so thankful about that that Deidre decided to marry me which was the best decision she could have made not really but I like to tell her that just so uh, I feel better I love that she loves me even within my faults. Let me tell you, I know some of you know some of my faults, but you don't know half of it. She knows, she doesn't even know all of it, but she knows most of it. And yet, she chooses to love anyways. It's the kind of love that we are called to have. It's the kind of love that we are supposed to give. And it is this love that was God's motivation for our redemption. I truly believe that love Knits us together, and I feel like I should break out in a song, but I'm not going to do that to you. It knits us together, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. You see, if I, we, you and I are knit together based on our schedules, we're in trouble because it is hard to get a bunch of people together at one time. If you and I are knit together because we agree on everything, we are in big trouble. Let's just see a show of hands. Who voted for who? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We are in big trouble if we are knit together because we agree on everything. So it has to be something bigger than that. And within the church, we have to get it better than anything. Psalm 139 describes it this way. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is literally what we believe that God does. Yes, God has put into place a biological system in which babies are born. But what scripture tells us is that God is active in that process. And one of the most wonderful revelations that scientists have found is that at the moment of conception there is a spark of light that happens with that embryo we don't know what that spark of light is they don't know what that spark of light is but they've seen it under microscope this flash of light is at the moment of conception because God is so much bigger than we give him credit for God is so more much more active than we want to believe you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written. Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Remember, all of these things, we have never been able to love God first the way, in the way that he loved us. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. God knits us together and through his creation, he intended for us to demonstrate who he was. Colossians 2 says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Paul's talking to believers in Colossus. And for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in... Can you guess which Greek word that is? Love. Agape love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. In other words, don't let somebody convince you otherwise. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. You are knit together by this agape love. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Love, can you guess which word that is? See, there is a way that Christians talk to non-Christians. And it is based on the kind of love that God demonstrated to us. There's a way that we talk to people who are outside of the faith. And it is with the same motivation in which God sent his son for you and I. There's a way that we talk to people who are different from us, that believe different from us, who persecute us. kill us there is a way that we deal with them and it is in the way that god dealt with us with this incredible agape love and if we believed that it would change the way every one of our relationships worked every one of them if we experience this incredible agape love rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Same word. God has intended for this to be the thing that knits us together, that is a foundation for our lives. But it is something that you and I cannot experience until we've had an experience with Jesus. But this is what he intended from the very beginning. This is what we have the opportunity to if we so choose. If we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, what I read, the very first passage I read today. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. We can come and worship all we want. We can write as many checks as we have. We can talk about how good God is and we can read our bibles every single day all day but if we do not experience and express this type of love all of that work and activity is for nothing it is this type of love that god intended for us to experience because of christ and it was this kind of love that was impossible unless he came down and was born as a baby born of a virgin That is what Christmas is about. It is about love. It is about the expression of this that is so much greater and higher than the world experiences. And yet what we find in the church today are many people that struggle even with the basis of Phileo love. Number of families who have broken up because of who they voted for. Those who are struggling within their lives, who are rejected by so many churches because they're different from us. That was never what God intended should change everything about us. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith and remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Take that in. Without this kind of love, we are nothing. Because love is the thing that God intended for our, the fabric of our lives to be wrapped around. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And we get into kind of the description. You know, there are a lot of things that Scripture doesn't teach us how to do because we come by it naturally. You know, if we had pieces of Scripture that taught us how to breathe, taught us how to blink, taught us how to look after our own needs, We don't have any passages in Scripture like that because we can come by those things naturally. What it teaches us are the things that we do not come by naturally, that the only way we can come by those things is if Christ is active within our lives. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but insists on its. It does not insist on. uh, I'm losing my place. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And the first part of verse 8 says, Love never ends. I've already said at this time of Christmas. There are a lot of people that choose to live still within the darkness and suffering of this world. They choose that that is what is true and that is what is real. And so they are clamoring and fighting to get every bit of goodness out of this world they can get, missing the greatest goodness God intended for them. There are people that believe if I get a bigger TV on the wall, I'll be happy. If I just get a, a new PlayStation, I'll be happy. If I you know, just get a raise at work, I'll be happy. If I just get what I want, I'll be happy. And they choose to live in the darkness and the suffering of this world. But you cannot break free from that suffering without love. And I don't mean eros love. I don't mean phileo love. There is only one way to break out of this darkness in this world. And it is this agape love. When we look at the gospel, the gospel is the representation of agape love. No matter what your sins are, no matter what your mistakes are, I've shared with some of you that have been here for a while, I've shared at different times, my grandfather who passed away a few years ago, for the longest time he could never come to believe that God would ever love him nor forgive him because of all the things he did in war. And if you watch any of the horrific movies like Heartbreak Ridge or Saving Private Ryan, that was the war he fought in. And it took him years to come to the place to believe God's love was so all-encompassing that he could be forgiven for the atrocities that he felt he had committed in war. Now, he was not a war criminal. He did what he was called to do. It was a miracle that he lived through some of the missions that he led. But whether you've been at war or whether you have something else going on in your life, there is no way for you to reach the point where this kind of love cannot reach out and extend to you. That is the gospel. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. It doesn't matter how many people you've pushed away. It doesn't matter where you are in life or if you have never cared for another person before. God's love still reaches out to you. It is the gospel. When we embrace this as the gospel, it changes us. It changes the way we see people. We no longer look at people based on what do you have to offer me or are you going to hurt me? It changes the way we see people. When people make us mad, it changes the way that we deal with people. When people don't agree with us, it changes the way we disagree with people. It changes us. When people come and say your God is not real, it changes the way we respond to them. We begin to respond to them the way God would respond to them. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and them. It changes us. It also changes the way you see yourself. I find it it troubling how many Christians deal with an immense lack of, of a belief that they have any value as a person. I find it just unbelievable how many Christians struggle to believe that they're a a valuable person. I think sometimes the reason we do that is because we misunderstand what it means to be repentant and we believe somehow God loves us more if we're really, really sorry and we'll somehow show we're really, really sorry if we're really, really down on ourselves. And yet that is not how God works. God loves you with such an immensely powerful, incredible, over encompassing love that while you were dead in your sin he pulled you out and he was willing to give up his son to get you in his family those followers of jesus it changes the way we see ourselves and when we change the way we see ourselves we will always change the way we deal with other people many times the way we treat others is based on how we feel about ourselves We begin to see God's incredible love. It changes us. We begin to break free from the suffering and darkness through his love. And even though there are still terrible things that happen, like what has happened in this past week, when all this is gone, we know that we are choosing to love and we will be with the one who personifies love forever. All this is over. Even though we still live in a broken world, we will be with the one who loves perfectly forever. A few years ago, Brian McLaren wrote a book, and I don't like all the things that Brian McLaren says, but I always thought this was interesting. His theology of heaven said that all people go to heaven, except there are some people who are glad to be there, and there are some people who are not. Hell is actually the people who are in heaven that don't want to be there. And the way that you define how a person determines whether they want to be there or don't want to be there has been their experience with Christ and their experience with this love. Yet those people ultimately that will be punished to hell are those people who rejected this idea of God's overwhelming love for them. And now when they experience it fully for all eternity, they are miserable because of it. I don't know that that's true, but I think that's an interesting thought. But we do know that that is what eternity holds for those who know Christ, to be with Him in the personification of His love forever. That is what we have to look forward to. Let me leave you with just some practical stuff. God has commanded us, you and I, to love this way. We have no choice. This is not about how I feel this is about God saying, this is what I've done for you. You've experienced it. You've received redemption, salvation. Now you go and show this to other people. This is what you do if you're going to follow me. That's what God has said. We read it, John 13, 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, get a little while I am with you. You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews, and so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Guess which word that is? Agape. Just as I have agape loved you, you also are to love, same word, one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have this type of love for one another let that soak in what kind of relationship should we have with each other what kind of relationship should the church have with other churches in a city and other churches in the state other churches in a nation in the world What would it look like if our churches stopped competing and stopped getting mad at each other and pointing out every fault that every other church has and we began to love each other in this way? I imagine it would become contagious, which is what God intended. God has commanded us to love in this way. So what does it mean to live out love? I believe to live out love in this way means several things. And this is just a short list. I think that it, it There's no way for us to tackle this all in one day. Living out love means, number one, relationships are more important than things. Relationships are more important than things. That means that we value people over the accumulation of stuff. It means we value people over the comfort and the enjoyment that we are looking for out of this world. It means that people become the most important thing to us. When we see somebody in need, we don't have to have a campaign to help somebody in need. The need's already been met because you saw it. You met it because that's what God's love is doing in and through you. Because relationships are more important than things. When someone chews you out, cusses you out to your face, tries to get you in trouble at school or at work, you still love them because relationships are more important than things. People are important. God didn't send Jesus to maintain this system that we live in. He sent it to liberate people. Another thing, living out love means that we are overly generous. Overly generous. There should be no group of people in the world more generous than those who are followers of Jesus. Where do I get that? Because of God's generous outpouring to us. He is generous with us. We read the parable of the good samaritan the story of the good samaritan we read about the prodigal son we read over and over and over that we are to express our love for others in tangible ways so that means that we are overly generous now generous often means with money and that is true because that is one of the things that often that the love of money when it talks scripture talks about the Root of Evil is the Love of Money, talks about the thing that is most likely to steal you or your heart away from this agape love. Stress, fear, the need for more. That steals your heart away from what God intended. We are overly generous, which means we are generous with our time. We help when someone needs help. It means we're overly generous financially. We help financially when we someone need we see someone who needs help and i'm excited about our students and what you guys are doing for your giving project you you're taking care of several people that's exciting a couple of weeks ago we took care of a family that their kids didn't have any warm clothes or shoes at this time I was generous and it was within you know within an hour of the time that we announced that we had the need met it was incredible At Christmas, some of you may be wondering, well, what is our Christmas push? Because we always have a giving push at Christmas. And I want to let you know that we have two ways for you to give this Christmas season. We've already given to a local family, and the school is is not... uh, The other families that are in need, their needs have been met. And so we have two opportunities for you to give this Christmas season. And the reason we do this, we've always had a Christmas giving opportunity because we want this to be not just about gift giving but we want this to be about meeting the needs of others and we've often looked for ways that we can do that not just internationally and not just locally but different ways we can meet needs along the way so we have two interesting needs that you can help meet last year if you were with us you gave over and above we we had an ambitious goal that we wanted to meet um, some incredible needs locally. Several families that needed help at Christmas, both with just Christmas gifts and clothes, and meeting, taking care of their bills and things like that. We also helped provide a Christmas basket for, I think it was 60, is that right? 60 widows at Widows Harvest, uh, which, and then, um, and we did not know if we could meet all those needs. We took care of about six families plus about 60 widows last Christmas. And when we put together what our need was, we thought, good grief, I don't know if we can do this. This is a lot of money. We've never had that much giving in a single year towards anything. And so not only did you meet all those needs, you also gave an additional, about an additional $6,000 over and above, what we weren't sure we were going to meet in the beginning. And so we reached out to our friends at 1040 Connections, who we believe in, and they said, hey, we've got an opportunity to partner with a new starting seminary in a part of the world, that uh we can't talk about (laughs) and so in a part of the world that you see on the news almost every single day there are indigenous believers who are now leading a seminary based on your giving last christmas and for the last year they have now gone through dozens of indigenous people who are learning the basics not only of scripture but of theology with the intent that they are going to be spread out among this region so that they go out and begin to start churches in a place where Christianity is beginning to explode because Christianity explodes under persecution. Because they see this incredible love that they're not experiencing anywhere else in the world, and they go absolutely berserk, saying, mean, there's actually a God who loves me unconditionally, and if I die, if they take my life, I'll be with Him forever? Sign me up! It's happening in all over the world. So we have two opportunities this year. One is this. We can continue to fund this seminary. 1040 Connections is seeking other people that will come along and help because we're not sure that we can do the full $6,000 again. That's what it costs for a year. Last year, not only did you take care of the seminary, but we also bought them two motorcycles so they could get to where all the different classes were. It was an incredible thing. It was overwhelming. We just couldn't believe it. Now this year... We want you to have the opportunity to give to continue that. Now, if we raise the full $6,000, then they're funded for the next year. Praise the Lord. If we raise $1,000, it's going to keep them going, and they're going to continue to solicit donations from other people. Okay, so that's opportunity number one. Opportunity number two is going to be a combination of a local and international ministry. You may or may not know that Chattanooga itself is housing many refugees from different parts of the world. Just down the street from us, there is a ministry uh, called Nations that also um, uh, came to us through 1040 Connections. Nations is working with these refugees, and most of them are employed by one of the the, uh, food manufacturing plants downtown. They have two needs. So we reached out to them, and and, uh, Stacy reached out to, to nations and just said, is there anything we can do to help you? And they said, well, they don't really need help with Christmas because they don't celebrate Christmas. They don't even know what the big deal is about Christmas from where they're coming from. The majority of these refugees are Sudanese, and they still have a few coming from the Middle East, some from Iraq and other places, and they apparently have just received their first refugee family from Syria. So they need... A few things, but the thing that they've asked for is to help with thermal clothes. (laughs) Because in this factory, they don't have enough heat in order to keep everybody warm, and they can't go in with these big bulky coats and work, and so they need to layer. And so they have about 100 people that they are working with, and they would love if we could help with some thermal underwear. Now, you can go buy it and bring it. You can donate money for this. Um, they, they have about equal number of men and women, and they need everything from small to, to uh, large. Is that right, Stacy? Small to large. So if you want to buy those and bring those, we're going to take those. If you want to write a check, we're going to give that to them, and they can go buy those clothes for them. Additionally, because they don't know anything about Christmas, again, what's the hidden meaning of Christmas? God showed his love for us sent his son that he would die for us while we were yet sinners. So next Sunday, they're going to be having a special service for the refugees. And the whole purpose is to show them the Christmas story. They're going to be having a worship service. They're going to be teaching and they're going to feed them. And so we're also, if you'd like to write a check and write it on there, if you want to grab an envelope from the back and write it on there, that this is what you would like to donate for then we're going to give that money to nations, and they're going to feed them all at that event next Sunday. It's a week from today. Now, I think we can take care of that in about five minutes because it doesn't take that much to feed 100 people. So if you would like to give to one of those two things, that there are a lot of options right there. If you don't care where it goes, just write a check. And, but say this is what it goes to. If you're tempted to take your tie check and think that, you know what, I... I think I want to give this to something else. Well, that doesn't really help because then we're deficient in our ministry funds. So we ask that all of these, this giving be above what you normally would give journey. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul when we do that. And so if you would like to give, we would like for this to be over and above what you normally give so we can still keep our lights on as well. So Those are two opportunities that you can give. And again, the reason we do this is because there is no better way that we believe in a Christmas season that is overcome by consumerism than to be generous. And so we give. I'm not asking you not to give presents. I'm giving presents. I expect to get some presents. But we are also giving generously on top of that because it's not all about us. So living out love means relationships are more important than things. We are overly generous. We sacrifice for others. We give grace even when it is not requested. Here's what I know about this kind of love. I have my moments when I'm good at it. But I have a whole lot of moments and I'm not good at it. My guess is you're like me. When I'm not good at it, I need your grace. When you're not good at it, you need my grace. Part of loving in this way means that we give grace even when we don't perceive that it is earned or deserved. Because that's exactly the position we were in when Jesus saved us. We keep it going. And finally, we love those even when they don't love us. And if you think that If you think that the Scripture is not serious about this, then just read where if someone hits you on one side of the cheek, turn to them the other. If someone asks for your shirt, give them your coat. When Peter wanted to stop Jesus from being arrested and he cut out the soldier's ear, Jesus put it back and told him to stop. This is not how you're to live Even when people don't love us back, we love them. If there's someone who doesn't value a Christian lifestyle, we still love them. If someone's saying how terrible Christians are, and you're tempted to go on and defend the Christian faith on Facebook, which is as funny as it sounds, don't do it. Because we were meant and called to love. We love people even when they don't want it or deserve it, because that is what Christ did for us. Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep to the wolves. If you get this, if you get the gospel, if you get what it means to be a Christian, then you are going to wrap your life around the idea that life is experienced best when we live it in love, not just any kind of love, this incredibly giving, sacrificial love. And if, I, if you don't remember anything else, I hope you'll marinate over this. this is, I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff today. I tried to cut this back, but I couldn't do it. Love is the fabric that binds us to God and to each other. Not common goals, not common dreams, not things that we like to do together, not the right same style of music that we want to hear, not the kind of teaching we want to hear. We're bound together by love, the kind of love that God gave us. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that I did not have to earn it. I thank you that you gave it freely, and I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to share it with others, that not only can we receive it, but we now have the opportunity to give it. Father, I pray that as we attempt to help both of these incredible ministries, both the seminary and nations, Father, I pray that uh, your love would go through us to them so that they, coming from a difficult part of the world, a difficult journey that they've taken, will see that God loves them. That is the greatest message they can get this Christmas. I pray that you would open up our hearts so that we would be generous. I pray that you would help us to know which relationships we need to go back into repair. I pray that you would let us see each other differently. Let us see each other as you see us so that we can begin to express that type of love in this church, and it can spread throughout this city. Father, I thank you that no matter how much we fail, you continue to show us grace. No matter how many times we mess up, you're there with your mercy. Let us share that with others around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.